Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Hello and welcome to The Top Story, a podcast brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Coming up in this edition, officials in Libya say a powerful storm has killed at least 2,000 people in the eastern port city of Derna. Search and rescue personnel in Morocco are in a race against time to find survivors after Friday's powerful earthquake. And Russian President Vladimir Putin is in Vladivostok to attend the Eastern Economic Forum. We begin in Africa. Authorities in Libya have reported at least 2,000 deaths from a powerful Mediterranean storm in the eastern port city of Derna. They say torrential rains brought by Storm Daniel, which struck on Sunday, caused the collapse of two dams, triggering floods that swept away entire neighbourhoods and damaged homes on the eastern coast. Up to 6,000 people are reported missing. Derna has been declared a disaster zone. The storm has weakened en route to western Egypt. Adele Maruki reports from Cairo. Libya has never faced anything uh, that serious, at least um, on record, and it has called for assistance from neighboring countries um, like Egypt as well. In terms of oil production, the fields themselves have not been impacted. However, all the ports have been shut, the oil exporting uh, ports and even regular um, whether it is trade or um, passenger ports, all have been uh, locked down because of the turbulences in the Mediterranean because of the storm. And basically this means that any sort of naval movement has come to a complete halt and this will continue for at least three days, which means it will have a toll. It will have a toll on the um, mobility of people within um, um, uh, Libyan cities, especially that we know that Benghazi, the biggest city in eastern Libya, um, which was on a, a high alert, um, people there have been more or less isolated inside Benghazi as the roads have become completely blocked and therefore it stood against sending um, assistance to Derna and other affected cities by land and therefore the only way um, to reach there at least immediately and in a prompt time is by air. And this definitely will affect the people around um, the affected areas in terms of getting supplies, health care and even uh, food uh, and um, any kind of other support. That was Adele Maruki reporting. Still in Africa, search and rescue workers are in a race against time to find survivors from the rubble after Friday's powerful earthquake devastated parts of Morocco. The number of people died has soared to over 2,800. At least 2,500 are injured. The hardest hit are the poor rural villages that line the valleys and peaks along El Hau's province near the city of Marrakech. Search teams from Spain, Britain and Qatar have joined Morocco to find survivors. It's the country's deadliest earthquake in 60 years. Our correspondent Alex Cadier has the latest from Marrakech. A lot of people we've seen in the streets of Marrakech are sleeping rough again. Their houses are either destroyed or too dangerous to go back to. That is one of the challenge, uh, challenges faced by the Moroccan government. They have set up some makeshift camps in a local stadium nearby to house these people temporarily. That is one facet of the issue, but 
also search and rescue crews racing against the, the clock up in the Atlas Mountains, trying to reach those hard to reach areas, trying to save as many lives as possible as the clock keeps ticking. The challenge there is that some of the roads are not cleared. They are still uh, covered in very, very heavy rubble, which requires uh, uh, heavy machinery to clear. And also, once you do get to the end of those roads, you still have to continue up some walking trails or some trails you would take on horseback to reach the more, most remote areas. Even further than that, some villages are so high up in the mountains they can't even be reached by helicopter. That will be the challenge overnight. That will be the challenge that the Moroccan government is starting to ask for help from. Uh, for the Spanish military's response team, crisis response team, being in charge now of coordinating the international relief efforts coming in. That was Alex Cadier on the search and rescue efforts in Morocco. More on the Moroccan earthquake. There's utter devastation in remote villages where infrastructure quality was already quite questionable. Ken Brown managed to access one hot-hit area and sent this report. High up in the Atlas Mountains, the full scale of this tragedy unfolds. The simple rural goat-rearing village of Tafakt has a population of around 400 people. And one local tells us that some 100 have died. Amasir people whose lives and livelihoods disappeared with the earthquake. Morocco's worst since records began. Mohammed Ait El Gambas lost eight members of his family. We were at home. I escaped with my wife and kids, but I lost my father, my two brothers' wives and their kids. I lost eight people dear to me. We've seen few emergency services here, and local residents have told us that they've had to pull the bodies of their loved ones from the rubble with their own hands, both alive and dead. A truly tragic scene that's taken a quarter of the population of Tafagart. Villages in the Atlas Mountains suffered from poor infrastructure even before the earthquake. The villagers felt abandoned by the authorities and they point to a cemetery full of makeshift graves as undeniable evidence. Individual piles of sticks and stones hide a hundred tragedies. Families hoping to give loved ones a dignified burial amid the chaos. Winter is close and people are poor. We hope that the authorities help with rebuilding the houses, even if they put up half the money. We hope they do something, but don't know if they will. As the death toll continues to rise, Morocco's grieving has only just begun. That was Ken Brown reporting. Moving on to Europe, Russian President Vladimir Putin is in Vladivostok to attend the 8th Eastern Economic Forum. This year's forum is significant for Russia's economy amid tough Western economic sanctions imposed over its conflict with Ukraine. Since then, collaboration with Asian partners has become crucial. Alyosha Milankovic has more. The EEF is back after a rough period of the pandemic and an initial economic shock from the Western sanctions in early 2022. There are a lot of activities at the forum, and the atmosphere is quite upbeat as the Russian economy finds a new focus. Russia is turning inward, realizing that its ties with the West will not be re-established anytime soon. They are replacing Western products and technologies with domestic ones and seeking new partners primarily from the East. Top among Russia's key new partners is China and its thirst for Russian raw materials. And one of Russia's largest copper producers aims to start deliveries to China in the next few months. 
We considered China's market our priority because the site is in the Zabaikal region, which is bordering China. Its location is very favorable, as the final products we can deliver by land through our southern borders to the north of China and also by sea to Chinese ports. The expansion of transportation corridors is essential for not just Udokan's export plans to China, but for many other businesses. One of the deals signed on Monday in Vladivostok between the Chinese and Russian sides covers building of a new grain terminal. For the past two to three years, we have been in the process of negotiation, but de facto, we have already started deliveries of the Russian grain. The memorandum that we signed today is in regard to the future collaboration and the construction of a new terminal that would be closer to China. In the next few years, grain exports through that new land corridor should reach 8 million tons. That was Alosha Milankovitch on the 8th Eastern Economic Forum. Now turning to North America. Americans have marked the 22nd anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks. On this day 22 years ago, al-Qaeda terrorists hijacked four American flights. Two of them crashed into New York City's World Trade Center towers. One hit the Pentagon in Washington, and another crash-landed on a field in Pennsylvania. Nearly 3,000 people died in those attacks, which had a significant impact on U.S. security policy. John Terrett has more on this year's commemorations. It's been 22 years, but still they mourn and remember. In New York, it's an early morning thing, just as the attacks were almost a quarter of a century ago. Vice President Kamala Harris led the tributes this year. Time's passage means fewer people attend to hear the reading of the names than once did, though there are children present who weren't even born in 2001. And while the focus is ground zero in Lower Manhattan, where the Twin Towers once stood, ceremonies take place all over the region and the country. Just over 50 kilometres away is a memorial to 9-11, set high up in the leafy hills of the next-door state of New Jersey. It's called the Tower of Remembrance. The metal columns are from the North Tower of the World Trade Centre, the bells from a seminary in Virginia. Every year, people gather at this memorial site to pray for healing and peace. They often leave little gifts of remembrance which stay here all year long. And just touching this metalwork from the North Tower brings that day back. The names of every innocent victim who died in Lower Manhattan, the Pentagon and Shanksville, Pennsylvania, are here on the walls of the memorial. In New York, 22 years on, the weather was very different to the sunshine of 2001, mourners having to dodge rain showers. President Biden, returning from his trip to the G20 in Vietnam, marked 9-11 at a U.S. military base in Alaska. While First Lady Jill Biden laid a wreath at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and there were commemorations at that remote spot in Pennsylvania where Flight 93 came down after the passengers tried to fight back against the hijackers. Back at Ground Zero, the list of names is so long it takes around three hours to complete. The reconstruction of this area will be completed at the end of this month when the new Perlman Performing Arts Centre, or PAC, opens. Remembering September the 11th, 2001 continues well beyond the ceremonies. For this day has been designated a national day of service. All over America, people are doing just that, serving and helping others as a way of honouring the dead of 9-11. That was John Terrett reporting from New York. 
still in North America. Residents of Florida are awaiting a decision by the state Supreme Court on Florida's current 15-week ban on abortion, and it could hand abortion rights activists a big loss. Nita Soledad Perez has more. The American Civil Liberties Union filed a lawsuit on behalf of abortion providers challenging the state's ban on abortion rights after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The seven conservative justices of Florida Supreme Court, including five appointed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, heard oral arguments last Friday. The plaintiffs claim that Florida's constitutional privacy clause protects abortion rights in the state. The challengers also allege the 15-week ban, which has been in effect since last July, has caused chaos and devastation for patients across the state, especially with no exceptions granted for rape or incest. In one situation, a 14-year-old survivor of rape was denied an abortion and forced to continue her pregnancy. Because of the ban, the minor was denied care, compounding the traumatic experience of sexual assault and unwanted pregnancy she'd already suffered. Lawyers for the state argue that the protection of human life is paramount and the Florida's privacy clause adopted in a referendum in 1980 does not cover abortion. While this case directly challenges the current 15-week ban, the impact of the state Supreme Court's decision will go much further. If the court upholds the 15-week ban, as it's widely expected to do, a more restrictive six-week ban signed into law by Governor DeSantis earlier this year will be triggered and take effect 30 days later. Abortion rights activists say they're working separately to put the issue of abortion access to voters with a question on guaranteed abortion access included on next year's ballot. But they would need to get nearly 900,000 signatures to move forward an approval of 60% of voters on election day. A tough challenge indeed. That was Nita Soledad Perez reporting from Miami. Finally, in Asia, Zambian President Hakaindi Hichilema is in China for a week-long state visit. He has toured some leading companies in Shenzhen. Huang Fei has been following the Zambian delegation in the Southern Trade and Technology Hub. Two very busy days here in Shenzhen, visiting five companies in two days. He met with Tencent, the social media and gaming giant, invested tens of millions of dollars in Africa through supporting startups in the areas of fintech and healthcare. The president is particularly interested in e-governance, which allows uh, uh, citizens to access most government services online. And this uh, is an area of focus for Zambia's president because he really wants the country to to digitize, to to become a digital hub for Africa. And uh, this is, you know, all these discussions are happening in the last two days. But President uh, Hichilima is heading to Jiangxi province, which also has a lot of investments in Zambia, including building their airport in the capital. Now, uh, like the president said, the needs are immense in Zambia and the solutions are here in China. And the question is how he's able to bridge the two in the way that will benefit uh, people in both countries. That was Huang Fei in Shenzhen. More on diplomacy, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro continues his state visit to China, arriving in Beijing following his trip to other Chinese cities, including Shenzhen and Shanghai. Observers see potential for cooperation between China and Venezuela stemming from Maduro's week-long state visit. Lucere has details. 
The president is leading a senior delegation that includes his vice president, and also preparing for the next phase of high-level exchanges with China. And prior to their arrival in Beijing, they have visited Shenzhen and Shanghai. And experts say that this shows that Venezuela is looking for、uh, is looking beyond political and strategic matters,、uh, and linking its economic future more closely with China. And for this trip, cooperation in energy and air. Space sectors are some of the highlights.、Uh, Venezuela is one of the world's largest oil reserves, and China is also a major consumer of oil. So, enhanced energy cooperation would also help stabilize the struggling economy of Venezuela. And also,、uh, previously, the two have already signed a memorandum of understanding、uh, that aimed to promote broader、uh, cooperation in analysis and handling of satellite images. So, we are also、uh, Expecting more in this sector.、Um, overall, this visit shows that Venezuela is、um, trying to diversify its international partnerships, and by deepening ties with China, it can also reduce reliance on Western powers and、um, potentially mitigating the impacts of sanctions and political isolations. That was Lucy Ray reporting. Before we go, the headlines again. Officials in Libya say a powerful storm has killed at least 2,000 people in the eastern port city of Derna. Up to 6,000 more are reported missing. Search and rescue personnel in Morocco are in a race against time to find survivors after Friday's powerful earthquake. And Russian President Vladimir Putin is in Vladivostok to attend the Eastern Economic Forum. That's it for this edition of the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Thank you for listening.